You got a quick drive, 15 minutes. You might want a short story. Maybe some Edgar Allan Poe, some Jack London. Maybe a little O. Henry. Whatever you fancy, I'll be reading short stories, fables, and tales that I think are interesting and I'm putting out on this podcast. Come back for a weekly short story and some fables sprinkled in between. Narrated by yours truly, John Wilkins. Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County by Mark Twain Narrated by John Wilkins In compliance with the request of a friend of mine who wrote from the East, I called on good-natured, garrulous old Simon Wheeler and inquired after my friend's friend, Leonidas W. Smiley, as requested to do, and I hereunto append the result. I have a lurking suspicion that Leonidas W. Smiley is a myth, that my friend never knew such a personage, and that he only conjured that. If I asked old Wheeler about him, it would remind him of his infamous Jim Smiley, and he would go to work and bore me nearly to death with some infernal reminiscence of him, as long and tedious as it should be useless to me. If that was the design, it certainly succeeded. I found Simon Wheeler dozing comfortably by the barroom stove of the old dilapidated tavern in the ancient mining camp of Angels, and I noticed that he was fat and bald-headed and had an expression of winning gentleness and simplicity upon his tranquil countenance. He roused up and gave me a good day. I told him a friend of mine had commissioned me to make some inquiries about a cherished companion of his boyhood named Leonidas W. Smiley. Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, a young minister of the gospel who he had heard was at one time a resident of Angel's Camp. I added that if Mr. Wheeler could tell me anything about this Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, I would feel under many obligations to him. Simon Wheeler backed me into a corner and blockaded me there with his chair, and then sat me down and reeled off the monstrous narrative which follows this paragraph. He never smiled, he never frowned, he never changed his voice from the gentle flowing key in which he tuned the initial sentence. He never betrayed the slightest suspicion of enthusiasm. But all through the interminable narrative, there ran a vein of impressive earnestness and sincerity, which showed me plainly that, so far from his imagining, that there was anything ridiculous or funny about his story. He regarded it as a really important matter and admired its two heroes as men of transcendent genius and finesse. To me, 
The spectacle of a man drifting serenely along through such a queer yarn without ever smiling was exquisitely absurd. As I said before, I asked him to tell me what he knew of Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, and he replied as follows. I let him go on his way and never interrupted him once. There was a feller here once by the name of Jim Smiley. In the winter of 49, or maybe it was the spring of 50, I don't recollect exactly. Somehow, though what makes me think it was one or the other is because I remember the big flume wasn't finished when I first came to the camp. But anyway, he was the curiousest man about always betting on anything that turned up you ever see, if he could get anybody to bet on the other side. And if he couldn't, he'd change sides. Any way that suited the other man would suit him anyway, just so he'd get a bet. He was satisfied. But still, he was lucky, uncommonly lucky. He most always came out winner. He was always ready and laying for a chance. There couldn't be no solitary thing mentioned, but that feller offered a bet on it and take any side you please, as I was just telling you. If there was a horse race, you'd find him flush, or you'd find him busted at the end of it. If there was a dog fight, he'd bet on it. If there was a cat fight, he'd bet on it. If there was a chicken fight, he'd bet on it. Why, if there were two birds sitting on a fence, he would bet you which one would fly first. Or, if there was a camp meeting, he would be the first regular to bet on Parson Walker, which he judged to be the best exhorter about here. And so he was, too, and a good man. If he even seen a straddled bug start to go anywhere, he would bet you how long it would take him to get wherever he was going to. And if you took him up, he would follow that straddle bug to Mexico, but what he would find out was where he was bound for and how long he was on the road. Lots of the boys here has seen Smiley and can tell you about him. Why, it never made no difference to him. He would bet on anything that danged his feller. Parson Walker's wife laid very sick once, for a good while, and it seemed as if they warns going to save her. But one morning, he came in, and Smiley asked how she was, and he said she was considerably better thanks to the Lord and his infinite mercy and coming on so smart that, with the blessing of Providence, she'd get well yet. And Smiley, before he thought, says, Well, I'll risk two and a half that she don't, Anyway, this year, Smiley had a mare. The boys called her the 15-minute nag, but that was only in fun, you know, because, of course, she was faster than that, and he used to win money on that horse. For all she was so slow and always had the asthma, or the distemper, or the consumption, or something of that kind, they used to give her two or three hundred yards start and then pass her underway. But always at the fag end of the race, she'd get excited and desperate like and come cavorting and straddling up and scatter her legs around limber, sometimes in the air. 
and sometimes out to one side amongst the fences and kicking up more dust and raising more racket with her coughing and sneezing and blowing her nose. And I was fetching up at the stand just about a neck ahead, as near as you could cipher it down. And he had a little small bull pup that to look at him, you'd think he one's worth a cent, but to sit around and look ornery and lay for a chance to steal something. But as soon as money was up on him, he was a different dog. His underjaw began to stick out like the forecastle of a steamboat, and his teeth would uncover and shine savage like the furnace, and a dog might tackle him and bully-rag him and bite him and throw him over his shoulder two or three times. And Andrew Jackson, which was the name of the pup, Andrew Jackson would never let on, but he was satisfied and didn't expect nothing else than the bets being doubled and doubled on the other side all the time till the money was all up. And then, all of a sudden, he would grab the other dog just by the gin of his hind leg and freeze on it, not chew. You understand? But only just grip and hang on till they thronged up the sponge if it was a year. Smiley always come out of winter on that pup till he harnessed the dog once that didn't have no hind legs because they'd been sawed off by a circular saw. And when the thing had gone along far enough and the money was all up and he come to make a snatch for his pet bolt, he saw in a minute how he'd been imposed on and how the other dog had him in the door, so to speak. And he peered, surprised, and then he looked sort of discouraged like and didn't try no more to win the fight. And so he got shucked out bad. He gives Smiley a look as much as to say his heart was broke and it was his fault for putting up a dog that hadn't no hind legs for him to take a bolt of, which was his main dependence in a fight. And then he limped off a piece and laid down and died. It was a good pup was that Andrew Jackson and would have made a name for himself if he'd lived. And for the stuff was in him, and he had genius, I know, because he hadn't had no opportunity to speak of, and it didn't stand no reason that a dog could make such a fight as he could under them circumstances if he hadn't no talent. It always made me feel sorry when I think of that last fight of his and the way it turned out. Well, this year, Smiley had a rat terrier and chicken cocks and tomcats and all them kind of things till you couldn't rest and you couldn't fetch nothing for him to bet on but he'd match you. He catched a frog one day and took him home and said he calculated to educate him and so he never done nothing for three months but sat in his backyard and learn that frog to jump. And you bet he did learn him, too. He gave him a little punch behind, and the next minute, you'd see the frog whirling in the air like a donut, see him turn one somerset, or maybe a couple, if he got a good start, and come down flat-footed and all right, like a cat. He got him so in the matter of catching flies, and kept him in practice so constant that he'd nail every fly every time as far as he could see him. Smiley said all that frog wanted was education, and he could do most anything, and I believed him. 
Why, I seen him set Daniel Webster down here on this floor. Daniel Webster was the name of the frog and sing out, flies, Daniel, flies. And quicker'n you could wink, he'd spring straight up and snake a fly off in the counter there and flop down on the floor as solid as a gob of mud and fall to scratch in the side of his head with his hind foot, as indifferent as if he had no idea he'd been doing any more than any frog might do. You never see a frog so modest and straightforward as he was. For all he was so gifted, and when it come to fair and square jumping on a dead level, he could get over more ground and one straddle than any animal of his breed you ever see. Jumping on a dead level was his strong suit, you understand? And when it come to that, Smiley would any up money on him as long as he had a red. Smiley was monstrous proud of his frog, and well he might be, for fellers that had traveled and been everywheres, all said he laid over any frog that ever they see. Well, Smiley kept the beast in the little lattice box, and he used to fetch him downtown sometimes and lay for a bet. One day a feller, a stranger in the camp, he was come across him with his box and says, What might it be you've got in the box? And Smiley says, Sort of indifferent like. It might be a parrot, or it might be a canary. Maybe, but it ain't. It's only just a frog. And the feller took it and looked at it carefully and turned it around this way and that and says, Hmm, so tis. Well, what's he good for? Well, Smiley says, easy and careless, he's good enough for one thing. I should judge he can outjump any frog in Calaveras County. The feller looked at the box again and took another long, particular look and gave it back to Smiley and says, very deliberate, well, I don't see no pence about that frog that's any better than any other frog. Maybe you don't, Smiley says. Maybe you understand frogs, and maybe you don't understand them. Maybe you've had experience, and maybe you ain't only an amateur, as it were. Anyway, I've got my opinion, and I'll risk $40 that he can outjump any frog in Calaveras County. And then Smiley says, that's all night. If you'll hold my box a minute, I'll go get you a frog. And so the feller took the box and put up his $40 along with Smiley's and sat down to wait. He sat there a good while thinking and thinking to himself, and then got the frog out and prized his mouth open and took a teaspoon and filled him full of quail shot, filled him pretty near up to his chin and set him on the floor. Smiley then went to the swamp and slopped around in the mud for a long time, and finally, he catched a frog and fetched him in and give him to this feller and says, Now, if you're ready, set him alongside with his four paws, just even with Daniel, and I'll give the word. Then he says, One, two, three, jump. And him and the feller touched up the frogs from behind, and the new frog hopped off. But Daniel give a heave and hissed up his shoulders so like a Frenchman, but it wasn't no use, he couldn't budge. He was planted as solid as an anvil, and he couldn't no more stir than if he were anchored out. Smiley was a good deal surprised, and he was disgusted too, but he didn't have no idea what the matter was, of course. 
The feller took the money and started away, and when he was going out the door, he sort of jerked his thumb over his shoulder this way at Daniel, and says again, very deliberate, well, I don't see no pints about that frog that's any better than any other frog. Smiley stood scratching his head and looking down at Daniel a long time, and at last he says, I do wonder what in the nation that frog throwed off for. I wonder if there ain't something the matter with him. He pairs to look mighty baggy somehow, and he catched Daniel by the nap of the neck and lifted him up and says, Why, blame my cats, if he didn't weigh five pounds and turned him upside down, and he belched out a double handful of shot, and he was the maddest man, he sat down the frog and took out after that feller, but he never catched him. And here Simon Wheeler heard his name called from the front yard and got to see what was wanted and turned to me as he moved away. He said, Just sit where you are, stranger, and rest easy. I ain't going to be gone a second. But by your leave, I didn't think that a continuation of the history of the enterprising vagabond Jim Smiley would be likely to afford me much information concerning the Reverend Leodonis W. Smiley, and so I started away. At the door, I met a sociable wheeler returning, and he buttonholed me and recommenced. Well, this year Smiley had a yeller one-eyed cow that didn't have no tail, only just a short stump, like a banana and, oh, hang Smiley and his afflicted cow, I muttered good-naturedly and bidding the old gentleman good day. I departed. <laughs>